Hey listeners, want to start your own podcast? Let us tell you our favorite tool. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Here's why. Anchor lets you record and edit your show right from your phone or computer. So no matter your setup, you can start creating right now. Then it distributes your show to the most popular listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. Plus, it's the only place you can send video content to Spotify. Creators can even earn money on Anchor with ads and subscriptions. Best of all, it's all free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You are now listening to FemRegard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Femme. Hey, fem fam! Welcome back. Hey, <laughs> hi, hello. So, um, this is our what now fifth episode? I can't count. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't count. Whatever. I can't count this morning, well, guys. We we batch <laughs> these out too. So, like, we've been recording pretty much nonstop, like Friday or Thursday, Friday. Now today is a Monday. So, yeah, we our brains are dead, but um, <laughs> our guests are awesome though. <laughs> facts facts girl facts chica (laughs) um no we're really excited about this one we just had like oh my god such great information Mm -hmm. and tessie you specifically are such a huge fan to the work so why don't you let our listeners know who it was what's up sure so today we have sujata day she regularly performs in upright citizen brigade's hit show asian af and she's known for her starring role as Cece on Issa Rae's The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl. That, of course, then became Insecure on HBO, which Sujata also had a role on. And she is, this is an impressive list, okay? Sundance Lab Fellow, Sundance Film Festival Influencer, Sundance Collab Advisor, and served as, an H, served as HBO Visionaries Ambassador in 2019. So she does a lot of stuff. And she's a creator, um, a filmmaker, a director, a writer, an actor, all the things. <laughs> all the things, y'all. All the things. And we we get into kind of how one became the other mm-hmm. and like what it was like filming with Issa Rae and like that very start. It's just so cool to hear how everyone started and it, it's just like us, mm-hmm. just like you guys, I'm sure. And it's no different. There's no huge budget. It's not glamorous. It's what we talk about on the show. Exactly. We <laughs> the realness. Cracking in the pot. <laughs> There's a I just kept talking about crack, so you'll just enjoy that too. <laughs> so without further ado. <laughs> without further ado, Femmergard presents Sujata Day. Girl, have you listened to Hags yet? Oh my god, yes. Let's tell the fam about it. So, Hags is a weekly podcast dedicated to deconstructing and demystifying how society values gender by asking key questions like, for the love of God, why? (laughs) Yep. And each episode begins by celebrating a boss-ass bitch from throughout history for tackling our ever-changing understanding of modern intersectional feminism through history, pop culture, current events, personal anecdotes, and embarrassing childhood stories. 
Co-hosts Riley Rose Critchlow and Nicole Wyland are frequently joined by special guests like Gates McFadden, Troyan Belisario, Gina Susanna, Liz Jenkins, Brianna Cuoco, Ioni Butler, Jazz Thornton, and Jen Mora from Voices of Hope, and many more. The show is produced by Alex Reeves and Point of Blue Studios. Follow them across the social medias at Hags Podcast for more. Um, I am super excited about our guest today. Sujata is from Greensburg, Pennsylvania, which I know some of you listening are friends and family from home, so you know exactly where that is. Um, but I had found her from listening to A Brighter Lens, which is another podcast that I highly recommend. I listen to like every new episode as it comes out from them. Um, but thank you, Sujata, for coming on today. We're super excited to talk to you. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. I'm excited. Absolutely. So um, I know you do a lot of things. <laughs> I was reading your bio. So you act, you write, you direct, produce. Like, do you have something like one of those specifically that's your favorite or have you just come to love all of them now? I've definitely come to love all of them except for producing now. <laughs> okay. Producing is not fun for me. And I think it's important to know what works for you and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's the one that I would prefer not to do in the future, but I will probably be made to do over and over again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I definitely moved to LA as an actress and that was my first love. And I did a musical in high school. My first musical was Guys and Dolls. And of course I tried out for Adelaide, but I got the role in the ensemble <laughs> as, as a hot box dancer. And it was just so fun. It was one of the most fun moments of my life. And my parents came every night with a bouquet of flowers and, and, and I was like, oh, this is it, this is it. But something that, I mean, a lot of Indian kids go through is that we're, I personally was also really good at math and science. Mm. So I did well in math and science in college. I graduated with an engineering degree. Were you part of the mathletes? I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was part of the mathletes. And, I know uh, nothing, but I know mean girls. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I was part of all the, you know, the nerdy, you know, smart people groups and <laughs> And somehow at our school, like nerdy people were still cool. cool. Mm -hmm. So it, it didn't bother me in any way. And, um, 21 jump street. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Hilarious. Hilarious. Um, and did then... you sell crack too? Just kidding. Don't tell us. Well, oh, you know, maybe we're not going to get into that. <laughs> I did live in Greensburg, whatever that means to everyone. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> Tessa actually goes way back. <laughs> Way back with Sujana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so then you know, I continued. Not only did I like do engineering, but then I also continued to do plays, and I would write stories, and I would take screenwriting and playwriting and be in musicals. So I was kind of doing it all. And then once I studied abroad in Australia for a year, I was like, oh, this is what I really want to do with my life. So I just kind of manipulated my life so that I would end up in LA. So mm -hmm. I got a job with a consulting firm called Accenture and they moved me to LA and I was on this like really 
generous salary as you know an entry-level person um in consulting and honestly it was the best job because you don't have to really go to work unless you're placed on a project and I just tried really hard not to be placed on a project yeah (laughs) (laughs) so I would have all my phone calls go to my cell phone I would go to acting class I would get, get my headshots I would go to auditions I would find an agent and so I was doing all these things while still on this like really great salary from a random job mm-hmm. and and it was great like like you asked you know acting was my first love but then mm. you know I started you know writing and and I could see that I in terms of the jobs that I was auditioning for it wasn't the stuff that I necessarily wanted to play. So, so writing became that avenue of creating the characters that I wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And then as I was on Awkward Black Girl, um, I saw firsthand how Issa, you know, wrote her own story and put it all together and put it mm-hmm. out on YouTube. And I was like, oh, well, that's like a great blueprint for me. Yeah. So, so my writing just, you know, I just started writing a lot more Mm -hmm. in that time period. And um, in terms of directing, that's been more recent years. I did my short film, Cowboy and Indian in 2016, 2017. Mm -hmm. And that was really fun. And I just super enjoyed directing. I think actors make really natural directors Mm -hmm. because we understand what actors need. Um, Preach. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's something obviously that we have to learn in terms of directing is is all the technical stuff and um, how to communicate with your DP and the rest of the crew. But I think inherently, I, I remember the directors that I loved working with and I tried to channel them when I was directing. Mm -hmm. So um, it was really fun and actually an awesome time directing my first feature, Definition Please. And so I will say that I love acting, writing, and directing equally. Okay. It's so funny. Um, Someone the other day asked me the same thing. And I was trying to say, you know, like, as in when you, because Tess and I both started out as actors and as well and and branched off um, similarly to you. And it's funny when you write something too, especially something so like personal and it just comes out of you, you get that same actor high that you first fell in love with. It's like that same performance high, but in a different way, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Anyone else out there know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's because it's, it's still, it takes longer. Like that performance high you get as an actor on stage, musical theater, that all that energy it, it's much easier to get and that's why we become addicts <laughs> and like crave that because it's just like the most connected soul visceral experience you have with your partner or the audience whomever's watching or you're playing off of and with writing um and I think this is why not everyone can get into it it is a longer trajectory to getting that mm-hmm. high but I do feel like I love it equally because when I'm done writing something so like it's finalized, you walk away with it like 
that same kind of high. You're like, oh my God, this is so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is better, right? For sure. For sure. That's exactly it. Yeah. And getting to see something too, you know, go from just an idea in your head to a completed project to then if it picks up steam and goes somewhere, like that's amazing. And I mean, you got to see that firsthand as an actor with Issa Rae, like, I mean, getting to work with her is like a dream of mine, you know, and you started way back on Awkward Black Girl when it was just a YouTube thing and then continued through seeing it on HBO as Insecure. And I guess just tell us a little bit about that experience, because I'm sure Mm -hmm. that was a really cool thing to be a part of from like the beginning to its success. Yeah, I mean, I, this was about 10 years ago, I was ahead of the curve and I deleted my Facebook (laughs) And, and I, and I realized that, oh, I need a new social media to stay in touch with people. So I was like, okay, Twitter is a thing, I guess. And this was before everybody was on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to make my Twitter and then see what happens. And I started following this person named Joshua who runs film TV diversity. And he would tweet out different people for his followers to follow. So directors, writers, producers, etc. And Issa was one of them. So I was just like, ah, I'll follow her. And then she followed me back. And I believe we both had like five followers at the time. Mm-hmm. And, oh God. and then a couple days later, she tweeted out, hey, I'm looking for a mixed looking girl to play my best friend on a web series. And, and I DM'd her and I was like, hey, I'm not mixed, but this is what I look like. So just let me know. Yeah. And she was like, come on in, come to the audition. And then I pulled up to the audition. It's at her house in a neighborhood. And I was just like, this is shady. I can't go in. (laughs) It was a nice neighborhood. It was just like, you know, you're not supposed to. But it's not, you're not supposed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. (laughs) It was like totally like stranger danger alerts going off in my head. But then I saw Issa. She, I was actually about to drive away and then she walked out talking on her cell phone and I was like whatever it's a girl I'll be fine I'll be able to defend myself against a girl which is also like not the right attitude to have (laughs) so anyway went in did the audition audition took five minutes totally totally chill left nothing bad happened and then couple hours later get the email hey you booked the job and I was like great and it was totally like zero dollars and um she's like come to my come to this location in two weeks and it ended up being her dad's doctor's office in Englewood (laughs) okay and and so I get there and we shoot the hallway scene which took about 20 minutes and it was like her brother on like a video camera with the microphone attached to the camera and then her (gasps) and me and that's it it was just the three of us and she was like, come camera ready. And it, 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 that was it. So then. Oh my we, God, I love this. So then we were done. And this. then and then I left and I was like, what did I get myself into? Like, what is this project? And then of course, you know, it blew up and uh, we did a Kickstarter and the Kickstarter was really successful. And then Pharrell called to finance season two and then um, Issa got the deal at HBO and that that HBO process took three years for her wow. and wow. Um, yeah I feel like people don't understand how much time all of it took right. even with Awkward Black Girl this was Issa's third web series oh I didn't so, know that so so it's all about 
you know, just putting stuff out there, seeing if it sticks and not putting all your eggs in one basket. You know, like I, I see a lot of people in their snaps and yeah, they're putting so, hard. so much into one project. And then they're like, why isn't, why isn't it getting picked up? Mm-hmm. Why can't it be made into a TV show or movie? And I'm like, you got to make your next project. Like you just can't, you can't, um, keep pushing this one thing right. that hasn't gotten any action. Um, so then of course, when the pilot was being produced, uh, Issa texted me was like, Hey, there's a role for you. Um, it's small for now, but you know, it'll grow. And do you want to do it? And I was like, yes, (laughs) (laughs) why would I say no? And so, uh, came in, shot the pilot. It was, it was really, you know, a dream come true going from, a, a YouTube series set where Issa was putting the budget on all her credit cards to um, just, you know, being on the set of an HBO pilot. And then it got picked up and then they are now shooting season five of Insecure. So it's been, it's been quite the journey. Yeah. And that's so awesome to hear too. It's like starting from absolutely nothing where like you're having people come audition at your house, you know, to then like, now she's teaching a masterclass, you know, I mean, it's, it's so cool to hear. Um, but I want to talk about your projects as well now that you've created on your own. Um, so Cowboy and Indian was first, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Cowboy and Indian. I love that title, by the way, I just have to say like, what is that about? Please tell us. So that was definitely, first of all, I went out to Joshua Tree for the first time before I even thought of the idea. And it was to shoot a music video for my friend who's a singer. Mm-hmm. And so we're staying in the Pioneer Town Hotel and there's that like fake Pioneer Town. I love that. Um, <laughs> like facade. Tessa and yeah. I've been. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like crazy. And I was just like, oh, this is such an interesting setting. We got asked if we were getting married there <laughs> by someone at the gas station. Wow. <laughs> yes. It's real interesting out there. Let yeah. me tell y'all. Yeah. So I, I was just, you know, my creative juices started flowing and I was like, oh you know I'm Indian there could be like a play on words of like so I went through a couple different title ideas in my head like cowgirl and and I don't know something you know and and then I settled on cowboy and Indian and then after I got back from Joshua Tree I just wrote the script and it was basically the premise was what if one of the characters in Kill Bill was Indian and that was the premise okay that was it so um, it's just like an eight minute thriller short film that I, um, you know, was just inspired by Joshua Tree and we went out and shot it in one day and um, all the pieces came together. And uh, funnily enough, I mentioned that I worked at Accenture. I was doing my taxes earlier that year and I realized that I had these random stocks that I didn't know about and I called and they're like, oh, these are Accenture stocks they gifted to you when you left. Mm. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, how much money is it? And they were like, $5,500. And I was like, write me the check. So, yeah. so they were like, no, we don't recommend you. And I was like, write me the check. <laughs> <laughs> I so need I that money it. now. <laughs> I cashed I cashed out the stock and um, I made Cowboy and Indian for the $5,500 that that was money that I never knew I had. So it was very lucky. Um, 
and then you know just made all the plans and went out to Joshua Tree shot at an Airbnb and uh um you know in that in that area mm -hmm. and it came out exactly how I wanted it to come out and I was really happy with it and I've sold it twice to two studios um to be made in a television show and uh yeah I would say that I've done that with my first short has been pretty awesome yeah and that's awesome too to um I guess you know we don't always think about like what potential shorts have to then grow into something else you know like you said you sold it to two studios to make as tv shows like that's something I wouldn't even think of like you know that you can sell a short for them to develop into something other than a feature I guess like features always seem yeah. like the next step you know but that's really cool and then did you did you sell it and then like now you're disconnected from it completely or are you still like developing it with them or how does that work so what was really cool is I was like you guys and I did my short and I was like I didn't even think of a story beyond it mm -hmm. I was like this is just my short and then I have other ideas for features and tv shows and then I met with an executive and she had reached out to me mm -hmm. And she was an Indian American woman. And so, you know, I went in and I pitched her like all my other stuff mm -hmm. and she wasn't really feeling the other stuff. And then she, at the end of the meeting, she's like, what about this short? And I was like, what about it? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I feel like there's a story there beyond this, you know, this eight minutes. And I was like, okay, I don't know. And she's like, let's, why don't you come back in and we'll flesh out a story. And I was like, fine. So went in, um, we were just like shooting ideas back and forth for an hour and a half. And then she's like, okay, go home and like write whatever you think down mm -hmm. from this meeting. And then they bought it. And I was like, this is wild. <laughs> <laughs> like it was, it, but I, I will say it helped that she was an Indian American woman mm -hmm. who like just totally got the short and got what I was going for. And we developed it into this really cool idea. And basically mm -hmm. this, the studio got uh, at the time got caught up in a merger. So mm -hmm. then they returned the rights back to me. And then six months later it got bought by another studio. Okay, nice. I think that's a great example of how people get producers, investors, or, you know, television networks to pick up your work. At the end of the day, they they also, when you're pitching to them, there's something about that project that they want to feel invested with because mm -hmm. it's going to be their time, energy, and money putting on the project that they go along with. So... I, I definitely think it's so telling there, right then and there, like she was emotionally invested and, and that's why she picked that one up. And um, it's always good to have, like you said earlier too, like multiple things because you just never know, but like what's going to resonate with a specific person to go that extra mile with the project mm -hmm. that you're like, I was so done with that. That was a short but right there, it's like she was just so much. She was just invested. She's like, "This connects to me, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a chance with this." Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how it was. So I think that's so cool. That's so cool. <laughs> You're like, I know. And yeah, I never would have thought like with a short that that's 
in a way, like Tess and I have worked, we're like have some proof of concepts in the work. I guess that's kind of like the same idea. It's again, not the full feature or a television series, but you get an idea for the world and the characters and the message, you know, that you were bringing forth. So mm-hmm. I, I guess, yeah, they make just as great pitches to evolve to a full either series or film. So that's really cool. I think a proof of concept is really the way to go nowadays. So even if you tell us why. (laughs) So even if you have, let's say, okay, so let's say you have this 90 page feature or you have a half hour comedy or you have a 60 minute drama, right? Mm -hmm. So, so if you take like a great scene out of any of those, or if you make some kind of like beginning, middle and end out of any of those projects and make it like five to eight minutes long, I would say, then you have created IP. And that is the magic word for every single executive in town. As soon as you create that little video, like I said, with the beginning, like they they bought, like my Cowboy and Indian Festival circuit. I don't own it because it's, you know, and I'm like, even if it doesn't, you don't have to get into Sundance or Tribeca or South by. There's so many women film festivals. There's so many, um, you know, like I'm, I'm getting into a lot of Asian American film festivals and they've been great. And, you know, if you're black, go to ABFF. If you're gay, go to Outfest. And so go to all these kind of specific film festivals and guess who's there? It's all the executives at NBC, at HBO, at Mm -hmm. Disney, at Hulu. And so I, I think making that proof of concept is so important after everything that I've been through with making my short where I didn't think it was gonna go anywhere, where I was ready to move on to another project. This is like, you know, the sales of my short helped pay for definition, please. Yeah. And for listeners, if you're hearing IP for the first time, that means intellectual property. And that's like everything for you as a creator, like that stuff you need to make sure you protect, you own, you guard, like that is, that is your commodity. Yeah, so we can have I, a whole episode, I think, I think talking about that. Because like, yeah, it is kind of like a real. vague term, you know, like IP covers a lot of things, but. Yeah, IP covers so much. You could write something on Medium and that is considered IP. Yeah. So if, so if you write a short story, which there's so many uh, shows and movies based on just short story ideas mm-hmm. and you throw it up on Medium, that's your IP and you could sell that. So true. It's so crazy to think about. And I, I love that we have you on to explore this like more because I think it's the first time we we're kind of really delving into that. And mm-hmm. I'm super, um, I'm super like business minded when it comes <laughs> to my art. So yeah, which you, yeah. I mean, you have to be to, to want to like succeed in this business, you know, like, sure, you can be just creating things that are just to get something made, you know, but if you want to at least like break even in the end with money, let alone like succeed and, and go up in the business. Have a career. Yeah. yeah. Then you need to be business minded. <laughs> like need- yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it just helps you when you have that, you know, financial stress lifted, it helps you be more creative. It helps you open your mind a little bit more. So 
you know, if, if you're a songwriter, a song is considered IP. Mm-hmm. If you write poems, a poem is considered IP. So, you know, I don't think it takes away from the creative aspect of your life. Yeah, totally. I agree. I think it's it's for artists who are really, really like, I'm an artist, <laughs> whatever that means. Starving artist. I feel like starving. You don't want to be starving. My dear, <laughs> you want. Um, I think there's a balance, and you need to find that. And if that's like you know, take that time um, to. I think we've talked with a coach before, Mandy May Cheatham. Shout out to her. She, if you guys need a resource of someone who really can help you separate, protect the artist, mm-hmm. but still be a badass bitch, then I would go to her because um, she her coaching helps you um, really protect the artist, but understand that it's a business that you want to own. And, and like, I love that you said that when you have that financial stress lifted, you really feel more free and able to focus on your craft and your work. So um, did you find that you had to like work that out for yourself or were you just like born businesswoman and and worked it out like where were you on the spectrum yeah I was never really a struggling artist because part of you know the whole plan of moving out to LA I got moved out by a company Mm -hmm. I saved a lot on those relocation fees because I was frugal I um I saved my money when I worked at Accenture and only paid for things that I needed like the headshots like the wardrobe that I needed for auditions and you know lived with roommates and um a really good friend once said uh Yvette Nicole Brown she said you need to live like the uh oh man what I'm not like gonna say this quote correctly (laughs) but it's like if you're a if you're a guest star you need to live like a co-star If you're recurring, you need to live like a guest star. So you always kind of want to live below your means. And, and then you're just like, really not going to have any issues. Like I'm not out here, you know, driving a Tesla. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So that, that's part of it. One day, Shijana. One day. (laughs) day. One day. One day we keep that you manifested. I love that you just kind of had this plan from the get go. And you're so smart about it. That's really telling to who you are and like, and inspiring for others like you can, you can kind of in a way manifest the life you want to live on a day to day and just try to make it work for you. I know at times I've I've done things out of stress for to create like a solution. And that's not it's not the way to go. Like we need to to process and and kind of meditate on what what could what could really work and be resourceful and and I love that you said like, you know, you kind of have to live a certain lifestyle till mm-hmm. you can get to the next and the next and and it doesn't have to be like a whole sacrifice. You know, I love that you said I'm not a starving artist, but I I do think um I'm trying to Tessa, what was that guest we had that um sorry, I'm blanking out on your name, Elizabeth um Blake Thomas. Oh yeah, Elizabeth Blake Thomas. Yeah. We had her I think on our first very first mm-hmm. season, guys, I'm pretty sure, all the way back from season 1 and she lives on her boat in Marina del Rey and doesn't drive a car and that's her life. She's a producer and she's produced like so many films. I can't even like count yeah. them right now. Um but she's made her life work for her in that way. So that way she doesn't have financial stress mm-hmm. and 
I mean, it's a it's a pretty important thing that we have to tackle on as artists too, because we want to be comfortable enough to create. And so she's like, I'm gonna live on my boat. <laughs> and I only need to pay for, you know, an Uber when I need to, yeah. you know, there's, she cuts it all off. So, you know, guys, there's always a way. Yeah, I mean, it's a reminder <laughs> to people that, you know, that are getting involved in the business for the wrong reasons is that it's not glamorous. Like until you're, you know, I don't, maybe not even A-list, but until you're really successful, like, yeah, you're not going to be driving the Tesla, living in Beverly Hills. <laughs> like, it's just not how it works. But And it takes years and years. Exactly. Like, you're, you're not just going to show up to LA and then you're going to go to a coffee shop and people are going to, you know, be like, oh, I am an agent at CAA and I'd like to represent you. And there is a pilot that is perfect for you tomorrow. And and all of a sudden you're on dynasty. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, totally. But it's also, it's a good reminder too of the flip side of it, of like, you don't have to be a starving artist. Like we said, you know, like just be smart about it and, you know, live with roommates, save money, like whatever you have to do that works for you so that you can live comfortably, then you'll be fine. You know, it's just about planning ahead. I think really more than anything. Yeah, for sure. It's, it is about planning ahead, having a plan, not coming here with $500 right. in your bank account because that's not going to work. Yeah. No. <laughs> and having I realistic expectations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Hey, everybody. I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. So on the topic of plans what's next for you Sajada what, what's cracking in your pot wait that sounds also <laughs> what's cracking oh, in your pot <laughs> what's what? cracking in my pot um what are you saying all the kids are gonna be saying it <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot actually there's you know I'm still going through the festival circuit with definition please which has been really really fun and we're just enjoying that and doing panels for those festivals we have Seattle Asian American Festival coming up and Colorado Dragon Film Festival. And just- Are you flying for those? Sorry. No, no, Are no. You, like traveling? Everything oh is God. virtual right now. Everything since uh, pretty much March has been mm -hmm. virtual. And we did have to, you know, make the decision of, are we going to do these virual film festivals right. or are we going to wait? And I'm right. Really, that's why I'm curious. And I'm really glad that we didn't wait. Mm -hmm. And we premiered at Bentonville, which was a really awesome, fun festival. And, and I came back there as an alumni because Cowboy and Indian was there as a short film. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I actually have been really productive over the quarantine. I wrote two features and a pilot. So I am out pitching right now and I'm just, you know, developing a book idea. And I have two TV projects at places. So we're working on those. So just 
staying really busy actually. Yeah. That's awesome. Like, yes, we <laughs> love that 2020 to 2021 energy. Yeah. Let's we're here for it. Carolina and so I have been like it. super busy through quarantine as well. And a lot of our guests who we talk to, you know, they're like just using this time to create, which I think is awesome. Starting their own companies, start like yeah. creating their projects. And it's just so inspiring to be in that, that energy. And when you feel like you've it's the world's coming to a, you know, mm-hmm. a crazy halt. And you're like, oh, no, no, that's I, that's so great to hear. Do you feel that the like doing the film festivals, film festivals virtually, is that um, still you find you're making connections and getting I know it's different, of course, but do you feel like you're still able to connect with the other filmmakers or producers that are attending I think they're trying to do the best that they can Mm -hmm. and, and they'll set up happy hours for us and, you know, film, filmmaker, you know, get togethers via zoom, and then we'll break out into the smaller rooms and, you know, be able to talk to each other. I do feel like that's definitely missing Mm -hmm. from the virtual film festival circuit is, you know, the, the traveling and the, you know, just hanging out and, and watching a film and then hanging out with that filmmaker afterwards and talking about his or her film. And so that, that is something that I, I'm, you know, I'm not that crazy about, Mm -hmm. but, you know, we, we kind of just decided to, do the festival circuit because I didn't want to wait. There are a lot of filmmakers who haven't released their films. You know, they're waiting for everything to get up and running again. And I was just like, no, I have too many other projects to just like sit on this, you know? So, so I just decided to say yes Mm -hmm. to the virtual film festivals, even though, you know, we got into Hawaii film festival and I would have loved to have gone to Hawaii. Right. (laughs) Um, but maybe you will on your next project. Yeah. Like, I kind of love that you're not just waiting around for it. And, and maybe that's inspiring to other people who are on the fence. Like, should I wait? Mm-hmm. Should I not? I think, again, at the end of the day, it's about moving on to your next one and your next one. Yeah. And, and you know. I mean, I, I feel like something awesome and optimistic that happened was at the time uh, Bentonville was in August and my film premiered there. And then we got a lot of press from just being out on the festival circuit because there were no like films coming out in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> so, so people are like, what are we going to write about? And then I'd be like, oh, here's my movie. And they're like, sure, we got nothing <laughs> else to write about. We don't have like a new Captain America to write about. So we'll do this instead. So, so that felt kind of serendipitous. Yeah. I think that also, you know, it lays the groundwork too. like something we don't always necessarily think about with film festivals is like beyond just meeting the other creators there. It's building that relationship with the festival itself. You know, like you said, you came back as an alumni to Bentonville Festival. Like when you start building those relationships, a lot of them have like, quote unquote, sister festivals and stuff, you know, and it becomes it gives you a connection to those people. And so like right now when it's you know, maybe not as exciting and you don't get to travel and you don't get to meet as many of the creators, you're still laying those groundwork relationships. So that's pretty important too, I think. Definitely. The uh, lead programmer at Bensonville, Drea, she introduced me to three other festivals that we played at. Yeah. So that's exactly what happened. And those were festivals that I did not have a prior relationship with. Mm -hmm. So, so now I do. And, you know, on my next film, I'll 
be able to just hit them up directly and be like, hey, do you want to play my second film? Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. (laughs) Network girl. Love that. (laughs) She's got some fire in her pot, y'all. Or watch yes watch out for her films where can um people see some of your latest and greatest work well cowboy indian is just on vimeo so you okay. can just search for it and it'll come up uh definition please is not available yet to the public so we are talking to some buyers right now fingers crossed we'll see what happens and um of course, Insecure, you can watch on HBO, HBO Max, and Awkward Black Girl is on YouTube, so you can watch the first two seasons, or the only two seasons of Awkward Black Girl (laughs) on YouTube. I think something that's really fun when watching Awkward Black Girl is you watch the progression of the production Mm -hmm. and you're like oh they they got lights in this episode or (laughs) you know this is a new location that's good or even even just the jump from season one to season two when we got Pharrell to finance you can see the production you know just kind of get a little bit better and so that's really exciting for me to watch even over quarantine something that I've been doing is with famous filmmakers of today, I'll watch their first or second films or their early films. And those are more inspiring to me because I'm like, oh, they had to do this on a lower budget mm-hmm. and they just had to make it work. And um, so that that's something that I've been doing just to, you know, get my inspiration going. Yeah. And that's smart too. I think, you know, once once you've been involved in filmmaking, I'll word it that way, whether you've actually like created your own thing or not, like you get how things work and you do see, you notice those things that you're pointing out, like, oh, they got lights this, this season or whatever, you know? So yeah, it's once you have that mind like turned on, it's really good to watch things as the creators progress. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And to know like what you could possibly do on your first project when you have like no budget you know it's like well these directors did it like this too and and good news is we have better technology these days (laughs) so hopefully your first film will be better (laughs) like you know it's it's inspiring I I love that you said that because it does show you kind of like what they had to work with and again if you're producing your first project you can really get inspired that you know it's it's possible. And they had to move on to their next film too. You know, it's all learning progression. So yeah, I'm excited to to look back at, at those episodes and see how it like just begin to flourish and transform. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah. Sure. And as far as um, beyond just watching uh, your material that you have out there, how can our listeners find you social media wise? Want to share your website, all of that stuff. Sure. I'm just uh, com. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Sujata Day. Uh, also, Definition Please has all of its own uh, social medias, Definition Please at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And yeah, you can kind of follow along and I'll let everyone know when we, when we get that streamer on board to... Uh, show definition please yeah please reach out to us again we'd love to help you promote that when it's ready and everything so yeah you're part of the fem fam now (laughs) yay fem fam i love it (laughs) 
We love it, Sujata. Thank you so much for taking this appointment with us. Mm -hmm. It's been nothing but pure joy. You're so sweet and fun and smart. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, guys. This was really great. Thanks for listening to FemRegard Podcast. If you like what you hear, tune in every Friday for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals. We can only grow with your support, so please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also join the Fem Fam on Patreon. For more on us, check us out at femregard.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.